and then, uh, and then began to serve along with YWAM out in Hawaii. Right now, he is giving leadership to a new uh, ministry called Call to All, where they are empowering uh, young ministers to uh, start up simple churches and plant churches and pioneer churches uh, all across the world. And that's called Call to All. So he's helping give leadership to that, and uh, he's a good friend. He knows Andy Un here, and uh, it's our connection with him. And we're just so delighted to have him here today. Let's uh, put our hands together. Let's welcome our Pastor John Kim. Come on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll drink out of both. I want to reintroduce uh, my wife and son. Uh, honey, can you stand? And uh, yeah, let's give her a big hand uh, and our son, Kairos. Yeah. yeah, you want one? <laughs> what, a wife or a baby? Which one? <laughs> Some of you guys are like both. All right. Um, yeah, we uh, flew over. Um, we just uh, sent out a team to the Philippines from Kona. We, we actually uh, sent out a mission team uh, to the Philippines. They're in uh, southern Philippines right now in a city called Tagum City. And uh, they just arrived there a little over a week ago. And already the Lord has been doing amazing things. The uh, Lord just brought so much favor upon our team. They actually met uh, the mayor uh, of Tagum City, also the mayor's brother and sister. And uh, the, the mayor asked our team to lead him and the city officials in a devotion every Friday while we're there. And so if you guys can please pray for our team. Uh, we, uh, we're really praying for uh, just transformation in the city uh, that will lead to the nation because Philippines, uh, it is a strategic nation. Uh, how, how many of you guys know Filipinos are the cool Asians? Amen? Yeah, they are. Uh, and uh, they're the largest diaspora in the world. They're spread out everywhere uh, in most nations spread across the world. And also... Uh, a uh, major reason why is because of the workforce. They take on jobs that most people don't want. Uh, so a lot of the Filipinos are maids or nannies or uh, they uh, clean, uh, but uh, they get access to families and into the homes. And that's why I believe that Filipinos um, are a, a, a major uh, missions force that's hidden right now and that we got to pray for the release of the Filipinos because I believe because they have access into the homes, they actually have access to transformation. Because everything starts with the family. And so uh, if you guys can pray for that. And also just want to encourage you guys, as Pastor Christian was talking about Japan, uh, just feel led to share this before I share the message. But General MacArthur, uh, after World War II, he pleaded with America to send a thousand missionaries to Japan. And, uh, and, and we failed. And I uh, uh, just felt like we missed a great opportunity to evangelize a nation. But Lord has reopened that door. 
And so I do pray uh, that New Philly Church will have uh, a place in this. Uh, as Pastor Christian shared, uh, he didn't buy a Japanese product except for a Sony Walkman. Uh, it's interesting that the first two nations to send aid to Japan were China and Korea. And uh, I believe that uh, before the Lord is going to bring transformation, uh, there needs to be reconciliation. And so, uh, but, you know, for the Koreans, I just wanted to just remind you guys, Korea in and of itself cannot do it. We need to walk with the Chinese in this. So it's not about glorifying one nation, but it's working with the nations to transform a nation. So I really do encourage you guys to really pray uh, as your church is going to be sent out. I really pray for more doors to open. Amen. Uh, Let's all rise again. I want to thank the brother who uh, read the scripture for us, uh, but I just want to uh, pray for you guys again. If you guys can just raise your hands before the Lord. Yeah. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength. Have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, I just want to thank you for New Philly. Lord, I just pray, God, that uh, as you spoke your word, Lord, to John the Revelator, John the Beloved, about the church of Philadelphia, Jesus, you reveal to this church that, behold, you are coming quickly. And Lord, I pray, God, that, uh, that that would be established in the heart of this church. That Jesus, that you are coming quickly. That Lord, that you would use this church, God, to prepare the bride. Jesus, we know uh, that you are not coming for a bride that is walking in compromise. Father, we know that you are not going to give uh, your son a bride uh, who is so wishy-washy in her faith. But Lord, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are establishing, Lord, allegiance in our hearts to the King. Thank you, Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, may take take your seats. Uh, If you guys can turn with me to uh, John chapter 2. 
And uh, before we start to read, uh, starting from verse 1, I just felt led to share with you guys, uh, about four months ago, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this in the news, uh, but about four months ago in the Middle East, uh, there was a guy uh, who was so fed up uh, with uh, the politics of going on with his nation. And here... uh, was a man uh, in his 20s, uh, just wanted to make a living, support his family, and uh, was, uh, felt like he was cheated by his government, by his nation. And long story short, uh, he was fined for uh, having an unlicensed uh, uh, like vegetable cart. And he was fined. Uh, his cart was t- taken away. He was embarrassed. Uh, he needed that car to support his family, and he pleaded with the police that he needed it. And uh, what drove him uh, uh, to, uh, to what was happening in the Middle East uh, was uh, he, he went in, in front of the police station, and uh, he just lit himself on fire. And uh, this happened in tu- Tunisia, and this was... Uh, this was what started all the massive riots that are still going on in the Middle East. But it took one man who was so driven uh, because he was so uh, disgusted with what was happening that the only way that he could express himself was to light himself on fire. And here is a man who's probably a non-Christian, lit himself on fire, and as you guys know, news spread out, and just people started doing this in other nations of the Middle East. It also spread to China. I heard that a Tibetan monk lit himself on fire in protest against the Chinese government. But here is a non-Christian uh, who lit himself on fire to basically to make a point that he was so disgusted with the norm. And I feel like this is something that we as Christians... Um, uh, we're learning from this because, yeah, God has called us to be salt and light of the earth. But I believe it's not just a, a, a normal light. You know, we're not a, you know, like, like a flashlight. I believe that we're called to, uh, to, to light ourselves on fire. And uh, this type of fire is one that points uh, uh, the finger and points all the direction to Jesus. This is the kind of fire that will not draw attention to ourselves. But it, all, but it actually points the finger to him. And, and through this fire, people will know the Lord. So with that in mind, I want us to read uh, John chapter 2, starting from verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to a woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, 
But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory uh, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Amen. Amen. As you guys know, this is the uh, first recorded miracle that Jesus, uh, he performed in, uh, in the scriptures. And uh, this miracle that uh, Jesus performed, uh, this was actually uh, instigated or um, uh, actually drawn out by a person who, was, uh, uh, who, who knew who Jesus was and who believed that uh, Jesus was able to do uh, whatever she asks. And so the miracle that Jesus, he performs is actually initiated by a woman who knew the identity of Jesus. Now, the reason why I share this is because the only way that we're going to experience signs and wonders and really see heaven coming down to earth is if we initiate faith. Amen. You got to first know who your God is because we do not serve an ambiguous God. Amen. We don't close our eyes and just pray to some mystical God who we don't even know if he answers our prayers or not. But we serve and we believe and we worship a God who is alive. You know, in uh, Luke chapter 24, the scripture that we read, I, you know, I want to point out two important phrases in that word. If you guys can turn back just a couple pages in Luke 24. Verse 32, it says, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? Uh, one phrase I want you to highlight is, um, uh, while he talked with us, and then the other one is, while he opened the scriptures. You see, we live in an age where a lot of the uh, uh, churches out there, they do not believe in the current word of the Lord. But the Bible says that these two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, their hearts were burning because of two things. One was just a casual talk with Jesus. How many of you guys know that Jesus still talks? Amen. When Jesus was tempted by the devil... Uh, 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 the first uh, response that Jesus said to Satan was uh, that, uh, that for us, uh, that we would heed the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Basically, what that entails is, is that God still speaks. It's not that God spoke and He stopped speaking to us and we only rely on the words that He has said. But Luke 24 reveals two things, that Jesus still talks, and also that uh, he opens the scriptures to us. Amen. We got to understand this because a lot of people tell you, oh, Jesus does not talk to us anymore. He only speaks to us through his word. That is half true. Of course, everything that Jesus says and does is based out of the scriptures because he is the living word. So in no way will God, will, will Jesus operate outside of the scriptures. 
But how many of you guys know He also gives us day-to-day directions every day? He speaks to us. He talks to us. And that's why I love the Word of God. The Scriptures plainly reveal that He talks. And not only does He talk, He opens the Scriptures to us. And this is the revelation that we need. You see, the, uh, uh, the fire of revelation is basically, it's Jesus revealing Himself to us. That's how we are going to be lit on fire. It's not that we're going to be this gung-ho, jumping up and down and saying radical things. That's not going to be the, uh, the fuel for the fire. We will be burnt out because a lot of this energy comes from our own self. The only way that this fire can last is through Jesus revealing Himself to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what Mary had in John chapter 2. You got to understand why Mary would, uh, would ask Jesus, or not ask Him, but approach Him and tell Him that there was no wine. Because a lot of people just look at this and they say, Oh, yeah, Mary just asked Jesus or told Him there is no wine, so do something about it. But you got to examine the life of Mary, where she came from, to see why she was led to say that. You guys with me here? Because here is a woman... Uh, who is not credited so much with, with a lot of things, but I believe that Mary is one of these hidden uh, uh, prophets uh, in the Word of God that we overlook because she was just a mom. And I am going to share with you guys a little bit later about moms and dads and babies. So, uh, amen. Yeah. So, in order for us to understand... Let's go back to the beginning of where we see Mary's life. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Pastor Christian, I just want to say that it's so easy to preach here because the Spirit's so alive and moving here in this place. And uh, you guys are so hungry. So Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18. So I want you guys to carefully pay attention uh, to Mary's faith. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Uh, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Uh, if uh, you guys know, Mary at this time in Matthew chapter 1, she was about uh, 15 years old 
uh, in Matthew chapter 1. She was young. She was a teenage girl. Uh, back then, in uh, uh, and, and those times, uh, not only in those times, but, uh, uh, but especially in those times, people got married young. And uh, she was about 15 years old. And so if you look at Matthew chapter 1 and uh, John chapter 2, in John chapter 2, we can you know, roughly estimate that Mary was about 45 years old. All right? So I want you guys to look at this age gap because John chapter 2, she's 45. And uh, her first encounter of the Holy Spirit was 30 years ago. But this encounter was crucial because 30 years before John chapter 2 led her to move and operate in power in John chapter 2. You with me here? So here is Mary, 15 years old. The angel of the Lord appears to her in a dream, tells her what's going on. She experiences the power of the Holy Spirit, which she never forgets in her life. Amen? How many of you guys believe it's very important for us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Not only that, but especially at a young age. Amen. So uh, the pastor that's going out to, uh, to preach to uh, the junior high and the high, high school students, uh, the Lord is with you. Amen. But really pray for those 15-year-old kids. Amen. But here, here is Mary, 15 years old, and she has this crazy encounter, and she's rejoicing. She says, yes and amen, and this is her response. You see, I want you uh, guys to understand that her yes and amen was not some casual yes and amen. There was a price that she paid because she wasn't married yet. And if you guys know, especially in biblical times, if you study the law, if you dabbled or messed with any part of sexual immorality, you were brought before the tribe, you were brought before the elders, you were brought before the community, and your sin was judged in public. <laughs> so when, when we read about the laws about people committing sex, sexual immorality, they were stoned. That's why if, if you guys read um, uh, the book of John and the Gospels, when the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, she was brought before the people. You guys with me here? All the Pharisees, they're all saying, this woman deserves to be stoned, to be killed. And what happened? Jesus didn't say a word, and he basically, uh, he writes something on the ground, and he stands up and he looks at the people and he says, he who is without sin, let him throw the stone first. And people were cut to the heart, and one by one they left. So Mary knew what was happening. But she says yes to the Lord and she was able to say yes because she encountered the Holy Spirit. She had a real encounter. See, I want you guys to understand that Mary and Joseph, their encounter, uh, they did not have the same encounter. Joseph did not have an encounter of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, upon him that the Word of God says. He was just told by an angel of the Lord in a dream. He basically had an external account, an encounter. Mary had a physical encounter of the Holy Spirit, which, which I believe she was able to feel with her senses. She was, it was very tangible. 
And of course, uh, you know, her, uh, uh, the, the biggest sign was that her stomach was growing each month, right? So this is Mary, all right? And, and uh, okay, so this is her first experience at 15 years old. So Joseph, being a just man, he says, you know what, uh, God, uh, if this is true, the, you know, the fear of the Lord came, uh, it came upon him, and uh, he just accepted it. All right, so uh, they get married, Jesus is born, and uh, they don't have children of their own until later. Uh, okay, let's fast forward a little bit, because in between Matthew chapter 1 and John chapter 2, there's only one other record of Mary and Jesus in between Matthew chapter 1 and John chapter 2. You guys know what that is? Yeah, when he is, he's in the temple, so turn with me to Luke chapter 2. So Luke chapter 2, starting from verse 41. It says, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Can we read a verse 51 together out loud? One, two, three. All right. So Jesus, he's 12 years old now. Okay, so... Uh, there's no record of anything in uh, the scriptures of Jesus doing anything or saying anything from Matthew 1 to Luke 2. And uh, here we have uh, this incident where they, go, um, they, they partake of the Passover. They're traveling and uh, uh, Jesus is uh, he's missing. And so Mary and Joseph, they realize that he's probably back in Jerusalem. So they travel back and they find Jesus, their son sitting in the temple, and he's dialoguing with the teachers of the law inside the temple. And here you have uh, Mary and Joseph rebuking their son why, why they didn't follow him. And uh, you, you have to uh, pay close attention to Jesus' response. This is key. This is crucial right here. He says, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So at 12 years of age, he is now revealing something about his deity that if you look at the next verse, nobody understood what he said. 
Look at it right there. Verse 50, it says, But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Let me just say it in another word. Basically, they didn't understand where Jesus was coming from. He was talking about his father, but they were probably thinking about Joseph. Because Mary and Joseph were uh, back home and they, they come back to Jerusalem seeking him. And then basically, Jesus says, I must be about my father's business. Why did you seek me? And everyone's like, Jesus, they're seeking you because you were missing. Nobody understood but one. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that Mary treasured what Jesus said in her heart. Now, why would she treasure what Jesus said in her heart? Could it be that 12 years before this, she had a raw, radical encounter of the Holy Spirit, and she was eagerly waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ? So at 12 years of age, while nobody, while everybody saw Jesus as some regular, you know, human boy, Mary knew because she birthed him. She knew that she did not have relations with another man. She knew that the encounter that she had was of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm sure every day as she's raising Jesus, she's like waiting for him to reveal Jesus. Uh, she's waiting for Jesus to reveal himself as the Son of God. And so for 12 years, she's eagerly waiting and nothing happens. And finally, Jesus says something about his father's business. And now Mary's like, come on. Amen. Nobody else understood. But from 12 years old, fast forward 18 years from there. Now we have a 30 year old Jesus. And Mary is 45 years old. Nothing changed in Mary. She's still eagerly waiting for the revelation of Jesus. Could it be that when Mary was with Jesus at the wedding, she was looking for every opportunity possible for Jesus to reveal himself as the Son of God? So when they ran out of wine, she tells Jesus, they have no more wine. You guys want to talk about being on fire for God. Please do not uh, forget about your encounters of the Holy Spirit. Look at this crazy lady, this crazy mom. For 30 years, she had a singleness of mind, singleness of heart. She was so steady in her faith. And all because of something happened 30 years ago. She kept the course. For 30 years. And now Jesus, through the miracle of turning the water into wine, I'm sure there was a deep satisfaction in Mary's heart. She's like, this is what I said yes and amen to. Finally. You guys see this? With, see, this is the only way that we're going to... Step into a greater realm of the supernatural. Every day could be a life like this. Knowing the identity of Jesus. You see, a lot of times we, you know, we sing songs and we say a lot of things that Jesus, He is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. But uh, I like to say, um, 
You know, this, this example that my wife, that she, she says a lot, but, you know, it's, it's like an example of a, a, a parrot. You know, you can train a parrot into whatever you want the parrot to say. You can go buy a parrot, a talking bird, and teach that bird to tell you every day you wake up in the morning, you are so beautiful. And every morning you wake up, as you're getting ready in the bathroom, your parrot is, is there in the bathroom saying, you're beautiful, you know. And basically, this parrot has no revelation of what it's saying. We cannot be like this. We need a revelation of every time we declare something in the Spirit, every time we declare uh, the deity of Jesus Christ, we cannot do it with our own flesh. It's impossible. We cannot from our own self declare the identity of Jesus. Because flesh and blood has not revealed the identity of God. It's only the Spirit. That's why we must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit. Because people will watch us and, you know, the, the, the world could come and see New Philly worshiping the Lord. Man, I, the worship was so hot in this place. Seriously. And the world will, will, will see us and, and they will think we're ridiculous because they have no revelation. But we do what we do because we have a revelation of who Jesus is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Mary had. If Mary had an encounter of the Holy Spirit, if Mary needed the encounter of the Holy Spirit to have a revelation of Jesus, what makes us think that there is some other way that we could have a revelation of Jesus outside of what Mary had? We need an encounter of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, not only does He need to be invited and welcomed in a place, but what I believe that uh, we, we must uh, step into a, a deeper realm in this is to declare that He is the Master, that He is the Lord. And what I mean by that is uh, uh, um, that uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, He's not a guest in this place. You know what I'm saying? Because there, there are boundaries and limits that a guest has. And for us to invite the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's like... You have no idea. I'm the one that's inviting you right now. He invites us. We must, uh, you know, we have to establish who uh, the importance of the Holy Spirit in our midst and in our hearts. Because without recognizing that it's the Holy Spirit who brings the revelation of Jesus. We will always be limited and stuck with yesterday's manna. And that's all we'll talk about. The glory days. Like five years ago when I was on fire for God. Ten years ago when I was on fire for God. But I've kind of calmed down and I've, I've cooled down. I've matured or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. It's, you're just saying you have no fire. You have no everyday relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to uh, uh, turn with me to uh, John. John chapter 19. 
And before we read, so as Jesus, uh, he's establishing himself, uh, uh, the kingdom of God on earth for three and a half years. You've got to understand the dynamics of mother and son. And uh, I really felt that, uh, that this next piece that I'm going to share with you guys is really needed uh, in, uh, in Asia, uh, especially in countries and nations where the economy is just growing, uh, where life is so fast-paced. Uh, because in the midst of uh, the economy, in the midst of uh, your career, what actually... Um, is in jeopardy is the family. And what I mean by that is, if you notice every modern nation where there's a booming economy and uh, there's a fast-paced life and where uh, your career is so important, you see less and less the need to get married and less and less the need to have children. And so we have nations right now where uh, in these nations that I'm talking about, where the average children in a household is like 1.2. So this is uh, really sad. We have Muslim families who have an average of 7 to 12 kids. They know that they don't have to evangelize door to door. They just have babies. I'm serious. And they will, they will take over nations by having children. They don't have to do anything. All they need to do is have babies. But you look at nations where Christianity is very strong. And in these households, you have 1.2 kids. And we've lost the identity of family. So... Uh, as uh, Jesus was going about his ministry, look at, you have to look at the unspoken things of Mary as well. Because they speak a lot, of, you know, uh, to, to show her faith. Because uh, during Jesus' ministry, he was, uh, he was threatened several times. Uh, he says one time that, uh, you know, that uh, he calls God his father and everybody's so pissed off. They, they want to kill him because he's speaking blasphemy. How could Jesus, a guy, a, a human being that has flesh, call God, who is spirit, father? Because that makes him the same type of being as the father. Because when Jesus called God father, there was no grid for uh, uh, the Pharisees. Their response was, yeah, you call God Father, but we call Abraham Father. Like that's supposed to like stump him or something, <laughs> right? No, they, they had no grit for that. And so Jesus calls God his Father, and now people are saying he's, he's uh, speaking blasphemous words. He, he tells a crippled man, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And people are saying, how could you say uh, that his sins are forgiven? Because only God can forgive sins. And you see, 
If you know the relationship of parents to their children, uh, and and I've and I've just begun to understand this more and more. My uh, my understanding of my son is way different from my wife, and it's not to say that mothers love their children more than fathers, but I do believe that the dynamics is vastly different. That's why fathers can abandon their kids, but it's so much more difficult for a mother to abandon their child. Because uh, what you see in Mary is, she never went around protecting Jesus. When Jesus' life was threatened, when they, were, they, they wanted to kill him, you never see Mary around trying to, to tell people, hey, like, oh, he really didn't mean what he said. You know, my son is, you know, still learning. No, because this is what moms do. You guys know. She didn't do that because she clearly understood who Jesus was. While, while people were still like, okay, could he be the son of God? Or is he just man? While people were wavering back and forth, there's one person that did not waver. Even Peter, he wavered. Right when he had a, a, a crazy revelation of Jesus, the father revealed to, to, to uh, Peter in Matthew chapter 16. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Moments later, Peter denies Jesus. Mary didn't. She knew. You see, look at uh, John chapter 19, verse 25. Right before I, I, I came up to a speak, um, when, uh, when the worship team was here and Pastor Christian uh, was uh, leading the uh, service, I, I prayed with my wife and our son and really prayed and asked, asked the Holy Spirit to use him in the service. Uh, and I believe that what's happening with him right now is the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit, he's, he's establishing something right now. Yeah. Can we just stand for a second? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We really got to establish families. Amen. Can I have all the guys, uh, if you guys can uh, raise, raise your hands before the Lord? Yeah. Yeah, Father, I ask you, God, that you establish these men as fathers. Yeah. Yeah. There are some that uh, may not have, and I, uh, uh, that they're... Uh, the revelation or understanding of a father may be obscured. 
uh, because of earthly fathers. Uh, but Lord, you are a real father. Establish us as sons, that we would walk in sonship so that we can also walk as fathers. Help us, Lord, to get our act straight. Help us to stop playing games, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may take your seat. We'll pray for the ladies in a little bit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before we read uh, John chapter 19, verse 25, uh, the spirit that that, that I'm sharing with you about uh, nations where the economy is booming and, you know, it's just a fast-paced life, uh, I I believe the spirit that's behind uh, this at work that's attacking the families is actually the spirit of humanism. And basically, humanism will tell you, uh, do whatever uh, makes you more comfortable and uh, do whatever uh, fits your lifestyle. And uh, many of us in the church don't recognize that the spirit of humanism is so strong in the church. Now, uh, it's, it's not a sin to have 1.2 kids. But I will say it is a sin to have 1.2 kids if you think children are a burden. Because that's the spirit that's behind abortion. Children are not a burden. All of us in here at one point were babies. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Babies are the reward of the mother's womb. This is what Psalm 127 says. In America alone, since 1973, Roe v. Wade, 50 million babies have been aborted. Just in America alone. All because of inconvenience. I really want to encourage you guys to rebuke this spirit, to stand against this spirit. Because what God instituted from the beginning was family. And I believe this major revival that we're all crying after is not going to be some like crazy charismatic experience where we're all just, you know, manifesting and, and our bodies are moving like fish out of water. It's... It's families being established in the Lord. This is the re- this is a revival. You look at Malachi. The Lord is talking to the fathers, saying He's going to return the hearts of the fathers to the children, and to the children to the fathers, or else He will strike the land with a curse. Jesus loved kids so much 
that when the children were running to him and when the disciples stopped the children, Jesus could not ignore that. That's why uh, right before we came uh, here to Korea, uh, we led a, a three-month school uh, in Kona, in YWAM, uh, on a, a, a church pioneering. And uh, we brought Kairos to, to class. He was in there because uh, he's just as much a student as all the students and the staff. We had him uh, there. There's no crying room. We're not going to... Stick them in the back, and babies are not a distraction. He soaked in, in his spirit, what all the teachers and the pastors and all the lecturers spoke. He received it. He is a living uh, being. The breath of God is in him. He is not a burden. Babies are not a distraction. And this is the spirit uh, that says that children are uh, a distraction. This is a spirit behind abortion. It may not be murder, but it's the same spirit. And there's a lie that the enemy is spreading in the church, telling the, the church that it's the pastors and the Sunday school teachers' responsibility to raise up the kids at, at Sunday school. It's the parent's job to teach them spiritual disciplines. If the foundations of godliness are not established in the house, what makes you think a a, a child going to public school who's indoctrinated several hours a day, five days a week, what makes us think that that child is going to go to church and, and, and go attend something And he or she is going to be radically saved. The responsibility of raising children is on the parents. Parents must teach their children how to pray. Parents must teach their children how to read and study the word of God. Parents must teach their children about the kingdom of God. If the kingdom is not established in the homes... We can't establish it in the church. And I'm not saying the church as in the bride of Christ. I'm talking about church, the building that most, you know, Western style churches operate in. You attend something. And what I'm so encouraged about here is I know you guys aren't spectators. Amen. You guys aren't, you know, this is not like a movie theater where you just pay your seven bucks or 15 bucks or however much a movie costs uh, to go sit back and relax in your chair and just, you know, enjoy your time for an hour and 15 minutes and then you go home. I, I, I sense the Spirit of God working in your midst. The kingdom is established here. Amen. This is why I, I'm, I'm telling Pastor Christian, I really feel... Um, uh, uh, this, this is so sh- weird. Um, just, uh, share, I shared with, uh, him that, uh, on, on the airplane, I felt the Lord speaking to me about this thing about open doors. And, uh, later it clicked. This was the word that Jesus shared to the church in Philadelphia. 
And, uh, and, and just the, the, the cool thing about this word about open doors is Jesus shares to the church in Philadelphia, Behold, I am coming quickly. Like his message to the church, uh, you know, to Philadelphia, basically, I know it has so much love. Like when Jesus reveals himself, uh, yes, it's in power. Yes, it's in glory. But it's all rooted and grounded in love because that, that's who he is. And it's, it's love that moves us to voluntarily love God back. We don't feel obligated to serve him. We do it voluntarily because of, its, because of his love. We serve him voluntarily. We're not, nobody puts a gun to our head and says, you're forced to obey God. You're forced to come to church. You're forced to do this or that. You do it out of voluntary obedience because you love him. It's a response of love. This is what love is. This is what revelation does. And so Jesus was revealing to the church of Philadelphia there was an urgency. I, I could totally can feel the spirit of excitement and just spirit of revelation as Jesus is sharing this. Hey, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because I'm coming quickly. And if you understand this word, the way you act every day is different. You have a reason to wake up in the morning because you know that he's coming quickly. Hold on to the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives to you. And I feel that, uh, uh, that you guys will really run this race uh, really aligned and plumb-lined in the Lord. Because the Spirit is Lord over this house. He is not a guest where you tell the Holy Spirit, Hey, why don't you sit here and you know, we'll, we'll do everything and you, know, you just be comfortable. But I really believe the Holy Spirit... Uh, he's, he's honored in this place as Lord. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, going back to John chapter 19, now let's look at verse 25. <clears throat> it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. Amen. This verse has so much revelation. Look at this. The Bible says that by the cross stood Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, if you have a deeper understanding of the crucifixion, then maybe some things are clicking in your mind right now. Because, uh, without going into too much detail, uh, and, and going too deep, uh, just, if you haven't watched uh, The Passion of the Christ, uh, I really encourage you guys to do so. Mel Gibson did a, an excellent job uh, in producing this film about the uh, process of cru- crucifixion. Pray for him. He's kind of crazy right now. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he actually had to, to tone down a little bit uh, from his research and everything of the crucifixion because it would have been too... Too much. Too, it was, yeah, it was going to be too gory, too graphic. If you've seen it, it's already like, oh my gosh. Like, uh, I mean, there were so many reports of uh, people being saved in the movie theaters, people being healed, people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but um, the crucifixion was horrendous. 
uh, you had Jesus, you know, we see pictures and movies of him with like, you know, he's being bloody and he has a sash over him. Uh, uh, you know, it, it was very, uh, it was very ugly. He, uh, you could see his bones. His flesh was so exposed that you could see his bones. Uh, when, when they put the crown of thorns on his head, they didn't, you know, get his head size and, 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 and fix a crown of thorns that will match exactly his head. They, they, they have a crown of thorns and basically they put it on top of the head and they grab a rod and they smash it down the head. And basically you have like an inch to two inches to three inches of thorns being drilled in the head. And so here the Bible says, there stood by the cross, Mary, the mother of Jesus. How many of you guys know no natural mother could just stand next to their son being tortured like that? A natural mother would be screaming. Uh, two things would happen. She would either lose her mind and go crazy, literally. Or she would beg the Romans to take Jesus off the cross and she will take the punishment for her son. That's what a natural mother would do. But why it's so interesting that the Bible says Mary stood by the cross is because she's, she's, she's going back. Right? Over 33 and a half years before what happened. When she was 15 years old that she had an encounter of the Holy Spirit but what was the word that the Lord gave to her about her son? You shall call his name Emmanuel, because he's going to do something. What is he going to do? For he shall take away the sins of the people. He will take away our sins. And so here you have Mary standing by the cross, and she's like, this is what I said yes and amen to. 33 and a half years ago, when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, uh, basically it was... You know, she, she, she knew that he was the son of God. She knew that he came from the father, but there was still something that she was waiting for. And that was the redemption of her very own soul. She needed the blood of Jesus. That's why she was able to stand by the cross and say, yes, Jesus, this is what I said yes to. I need to be forgiven. I need your blood. Guess what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1? Or, or, or not even the, even the resurrection. You know, the women were there. And you know, at the resurrection. Acts chapter 1 and, and 2 talks about Mary, the mother of Jesus, being there at the day of Pentecost. Why? Because she wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized, what, what Jesus was talking about. She was there at every major point of Jesus' life. Now you see why Mary was crazy? She was steady. She wasn't flashy. She was humble. But she was so fiery that she could stand next to the cross and receive what Jesus was doing while everybody else ran off. While everybody else doubted Jesus. She stood by the cross. Uh, I want you guys to turn with me to Acts uh, chapter 2. I'm sorry, Acts, Acts 1. 
And uh, starting from verse 15, uh, just to give a little background of what's going on. Uh, now the 11 apostles, the, the 11 disciples, now uh, uh, they're right now in the search for uh, someone to replace Judas Iscariot. And so, uh, so they're in the upper room. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, they just heard uh, Jesus telling them, uh, wait for the promise of the Father, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And, uh, and so uh, they see Jesus, 500 people are witnesses to the ascension. And uh, af- after all this is going on, uh, now the apostles are in the hunt to search for the 13th disciple. And so starting from verse 15, it says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether the number of names was about 120. And said, Men and brethren... This scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For, who, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and fallen headlong. He burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Amen. I want you guys to understand... uh, uh, the process of, of, of how the Holy Spirit led them to choose the 13th apostle. Because it wasn't just, a lot of people look at this and said, oh, they just randomly cast lots and just it, it randomly fell on, you know, on Matthias. It wasn't that this selection, uh, this process, it was so detailed and it was so narrowed down. And basically, it was so easy for them to, uh, to narrow out and, and exclude out those who weren't even going to be considered. And uh, what the Holy Spirit led them was to pick somebody that was there with, uh, in all the major events of Jesus. Basically, from the baptism of John, from the very beginning, when, when John the Baptist was going around, baptizing people in the Jordan River, preparing them to receive the Messiah. Okay, Starting from, from back then of, of, of John's baptism, all the way to the ascension, all the way till this moment, basically they said, we need somebody who was following Jesus to be chosen from, uh, uh, from this group. And the reason why I say this is because I want to encourage you guys. Don't miss out on the opportunity that you have to hear the word of the Lord. 
what I mean by that is uh, there are major uh, uh, points in everybody's life. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to call them kairos moments where basically uh, kairos, it's a Greek word. Uh, it's not only the name of our son, but the reason why the Lord led us to, uh, 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 well, actually the Lord revealed to us this is what he wanted uh, him to be named. But kairos uh, is a Greek word that was used in the New Testament over eight, 89 times. And basically what kairos means, uh, it, it means God's appointed time. Because the other Greek word that's known for time is chronos. And basically chronological time. Basically of what we know of when we have a watch or something, you know, time goes on. And basically where kairos is different from chronos is that in the midst of chronos, in the midst of natural time where we're bound in space and time, God intervenes and he steps in and God shows up. And I believe every major event of Jesus was a Kairos moment. And I just want to just encourage you guys to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You got to crucify the flesh. Always understand the appointed times of the Lord. And I'm sure you have experienced many appointed times already. But please be so aware because Kairos moments, it's not, uh, these don't happen every day. When you look at the scripture, when you study Kairos, Kairos, every day wasn't a Kairos moment. Kairos moments happen every now and then in the midst of Kronos. So be aware, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Doors will open that no man could shut. Be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because He will show you and He will give you a revelation of Jesus. He will reveal to you the mysteries of Jesus. You can study the Word of God all you want and learn cruel things. And you can feel smarter or sound smarter by theology or whatever. But you can sound smart without power. And I'm not against seminary or theology. I'm just saying... Uh, uh, having seminary background or theology does not automatically make you someone who's sensitive to revelation. It's not about that. It's about you taking the time, submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit and saying, Here am I, Lord. If I can have the ladies, if, if you ladies can stand. Holy Spirit, I ask for your touch upon the ladies here this afternoon. Lord, there must be a reason why 70% of intercessors are women. Yeah, Father, I pray that you would establish in their hearts a house of prayer. And Lord, I just want to speak comfort uh, to those who may have had those thoughts uh, that children are a, a burden, I just pray for a release from that. I rebuke the spirit of condemnation 
Lord, pray, for Holy Spirit, for your comfort upon them. Pray for healing on their bodies. God, we recognize the importance of mothers. Jesus, it was so important for you that when you were on the cross, that you spoke to John the Beloved to tell him to take care of Mary because you value mothers. If I can invite the uh, worship team to come forward. Lord, you know the intentions of our hearts. And sometimes, Lord, we say things out of insecurity. And maybe we have said things like, we don't want to get married. Out of an insecurity. Lord, I, I know that you have called those to be single. But there are some things that we say, God, that might stem from insecurity. God, we just speak comfort in Jesus' name. God, we declare life. I also pray for spirit of adoption to fall in this church. I pray for, Lord, uh, an ever-increasing joy of adopting children. We could have everybody stand.